eso. Wow. Good morning. It's indeed true to know that every service that we attend, the Holy Spirit is the initiator of that service, and he sustains it. I paid attention to the choice of the hymns and the songs that were sung today. And I began to realize that without him, there is no us. And I pray that as we uh, hear from the word of God, I want to take you on a journey. (laughs) Uh, God will help us. The Lord will help us this morning. Uh, I'm so grateful uh, to Robert and Cindy uh, for the opportunity, uh, the missions team, that I could come and share with you what's on my heart, uh, what the Lord has been doing for the past 43 years. I'm grateful for the love that uh, you shower me with each time I'm here. I look forward to being here. Uh, I'm grateful. I bring greetings from my wife, one wife, um, Mayunda, and uh, our four daughters. Uh, You can tell I'm ready to leave on Tuesday. Uh, I want to also mention, take notice of Abby and Doug. Uh, Abby and Doug were friends of my mom before uh, I knew them. It's amazing that uh, uh, parents never stop taking care of us, even when we grow old. (laughs) That through them, uh, we've become friends and we now family, their daughters are now my sisters. And as, as we journey on the mission field to join the Lord and serve him, it's been a great joy uh, to do that. And all of you here that support us where we go, you go with us. And I'm grateful that we could do this. Um, I teach worship. And one of the questions that people always ask me is, how can you teach worship? It's my sweet spot because I've been in this ministry of worship for 25 years. I sang in the choir. And by the grace of God, we are now in, as of three days ago, uh, through our leaders that uh, work with us. I know the first time I came here, you only knew me as Percy. Now I have two full-time employees with me for BWTC. And we are now in 11 countries of Africa. And as of three days ago, according to what I got on the ground, uh, our team has reached 400 plus churches. Uh, I'm not a statistic man. I 
statistics always threaten me because they demand commitment. And uh, the question I want you to begin to think about is uh, the world today is struggling. You don't need to be a prophet to be an expert to know that uh, if we don't rise up to this occasion that the invitation is demanding for us to join the Lord, uh, the iceberg is right in front of us. And if uh, <laughs> uh, the captain of the ship does not pay attention uh, on how to turn this big machine, uh, a little slumber may mean that we, when the whole ship will turn to escape the iceberg, we will hit the iceberg. And that's why it's important as a child of God, as a believer, to have your ears sanctified. Because your life and my life is built around the voice of God. Uh, it's, it's not to your advantage to accelerate in the wrong direction. So we need him to help us. So worship draws us back to him. And I'll show you in a few minutes how that happens. When he draws me, my response is to surrender all. Uh, it's a play, you know, it's a continuous play. He draws you, you surrender all. He draws you, you surrender all. And keep taking the next right step, which is trusting in him. There's no plan B with all your heart. And take one day at a time. Teach us to number our days. Is wisdom drawn from the scriptures? And a question I was asking my team the other day, I want to ask you, then we'll dive in. Is, so how do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your loyalty. Let it sink. At the end of that trail, you will find a throne, and whatever or whomever is on that throne is who What's of your highest value to you? On that throne is what you worship. It's a question of a lifestyle and choices as we do in life. And my heart is drawn to two 
I call them, from an African perspective, fathers of faith inspire of what it truly means to follow God worldly struggling. Abraham and David. What is biblical worship is a question I'm always asked. What does it mean? What's its importance? And how do we do that? I don't answer that question because of the text the psalm will read. The answer is in your discovery of knowing that your life is a message. People don't listen to what you say. They listen to what you do. And no matter how good, we all speak English, but we mean something else. We all speak from the well of our struggles. And I want to expose a struggle to you from Psalms 101. I wanted to go through that psalm. I'll be talking to you on the choices of a psalmist after God's own heart. Choices of a psalmist. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. <laughs> I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my heart. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hurt the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor Secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. Holy Spirit, help us. Open our understanding. And teach us to obey. 
step out the way that you step in and minister to us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Have you noticed that when you go to a restaurant, they play music? Uh, because uh, psychology and philosophy has taught us that man is a stressful being. There's so much stress. Uh, and nowadays, we've realized that even our kids get so stressed because internet has leveled the playing field. Now, you must understand that music is therapeutic. Numbs every pain, uh, puts you in play of medication but never solves the problem. Have you noticed that? It's like in the old days when you drive uh, those vehicles when uh, it heats up. You always drive with a container of water behind. It heats up, you stop, you rush and pour some water to cool it down. <laughs> but you don't solve because uh, after you drive for 10 miles, the engine will heat up. Then you have to stop because you're on the journey. That's what music does to us. Medicates us. It doesn't take away your depression. When you listen to music, to any piece that you love, you know, you come from a stressful day, you come to your home, or you're driving, whatever you use to medicate yourself, never takes that out of your life. Just enables you to control it. And hence, my reason to teach on worship. Because when music is medicating us, is helping us to manage stress, worship is healing. Because worship, worship's approach is different from music. I'm not overriding the importance of music. I love music. You know, I teach I sleep in music. But I've also been invited deeper into that. Worship is healing. God is drawing us to a place where he wants us to. He pursues us. He's looking, he's seeking for someone that will respond to He's drawing, they'll surrender all. And the bee communion, the bee fellowship, he's looking for that. And that's hence the purpose of creation. I, I, I told my brothers, I said, well, heaven is going to be a noisy place. <laughs> will be a noisy place because all people from all tribes, from all walks of life, Having access to the throne of the Father, the audience of one, we are all loving him. He says, come as you are. If that be true, then he lays a demand on our lives. When we do survey of worship in the Bible, 
The first man to mention worship was Abraham. I mentioned I'm drawing my inspiration from the two, Abraham and David. The struggles of Abraham are generational. You see the struggles even in his son and from Isaac and Jacob, even though we talk about them in a way that is really inspiring for our Christian faith, right in front of us is a struggle. Abraham, the Lord tells him, you shall have a son. I mean, know that God doesn't care how old you are. God doesn't care what you're going through to be a limitation, a hindrance for what he wants to do. Because he's not looking for what you're looking for. He's looking for you. He wants you. And the wife is here in the conversation. She's here in the conversation. And she's like, well, he's odd. He has failed because what will he do now that he is odd? Which he couldn't do when he was young. Because we don't walk by sight. By feelings, by what we see, we walk by faith. Putting our trust in God. Have you ever wondered what kind of a life Sarah lived? People laughed at her. When they'll go to a world, they'll think, well, no child. And they endured all that. And then, remember, God said, you shall have a son. And the son was born. I want just to go beyond that. Then God comes around and says, give me your son. Worship. He says, give me your son. If God just said, give me your son, Abraham would have gone to Sarah and said, you know what? God wants his son. And Sarah would have said, oh, prayer answered. Ishmael. Take Ishmael. Sacrifice Ishmael. So we have no problems. But the word is, whom you love. God never chose who Abraham loved. I'll take you to that son. Abraham chose. He taught us. He showed us who he really loved. Even though he had Ishmael, he loved Isaac. And now he's thinking, should I have to tell Sarah about this issue? And you know what the end of that conversation would have been? So he decides to embark on a journey to sacrifice his son. And then when he's almost there, he tells his servants, you remain here. My son and I will go yonder to worship. What has sacrificing your own child to do with worship? He's the first one to mention worship in the Bible. And now as a theologian, you look at the context in which he said it. Was he laughing? I am going to take my son. I am taking my son. Was he doing that? No, he wasn't. He pondered on it. 
thought about it. How obedient are you to God? Because worship has a backbone of sacrifice. It's a test of love. Test of relationship. And so, my argument with reducing worship to lyrics, songs are a product, are a result of a life that has lived in obedience and sacrifice. That's why we check the songs. We listen to a theology of the song because every song exposes an experience out of intimacy with God like we sang the songs today. So from that background of worship, you read the whole Bible that has become the language, obedience, sacrifice, relationship, trusting the Lord enough, regardless of how I feel. And Paul later on says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 2. The choices of a psalmist after God's own heart. Why is David, this is a royal psalm, why is David known as a man after God's own heart? But when you read the whole story about David, he's a murderer. He's everything you can talk about far from church. And yet is a man after God's own heart. Because in Abram we see it's revealed to us as worship as a way of life. Every day, when you wake up, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I tell brothers back home, even when you are hungry, are you alive? Say yes, praise the Lord. Did you notice it's not a request? It's a command. But in that command, there is a choice. And David draws us to the choices. With Abraham, you see the life. With David, you see the choices that you ought to make as you follow him. In trying to answer why, what, and how. Is in the choices of David. You know, one thing that really I look at this psalm is uh, there are eight choices I want to leave with you. Then I'll sing a short song because I'm already packed. <laughs> I leave on Tuesday. The first choice that is showing us is, I will sing. You see, if you, if you don't pay attention to language, the only thing you rush to think, oh, singing, let's just sing. No. Before you sing, there is a choice that is exposed in here. In the interest of time, I want to take you to... Uh, Exodus 34 verse 7. 
It's an amazing, the character of God. But he's saying in the decision, in this choice, he's saying, I will sing a balanced song that recognizes both sides of God's love for me. Which is mercy and judgment. So David, even though he's king, He's realizing that I cannot just sing anything to God. You see, entertainment and performance in the church is a result of people, human beings, rejecting intimacy with God. Because intimacy bleeds conflict. God will confront you and me about issues that no one knows. He will tell you, you have to deal with pride. You have to deal with unforgiveness. You have to deal with this hurt, with this anger. God will confront us because in a relationship, there is caring enough to confront. And obedience and sacrifice, relationship with God... You go through a situation and then you know God is on my side. He says, I will sing. So brothers and sisters, when you come to church or when you are at home, when you open that hymn, when you open that song you are listening to, it has to come from a place of intimacy. You know, the trail is personal. Who is Jesus in your life? It's about mercy and judgment. And in the singing is about, it says, here that I will make music. You see, praise is retelling the story. Repeating what God has done loudly. <laughs> then you write a song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound If you know what you are singing, you understand and accept that I was blind and now I can see. There is nothing from the pit of hell that will separate me from the love of God. It's a choice to sing about that. I'll retell the story. No matter what, I'll talk about it. I won't be ashamed because it's true. You all know I was a wreck. You all know where I came from. But Jesus. So I will sing. And then he goes on to make a choice number two. Is that I will 
prioritize. Priorities is a choice. Number one, it's a choice in what you are singing, what you are repeating, what you are returning, <laughs> what your life is saying. Number two is in your priorities of life. In this one, in verse two, he's emphasizing on personal integrity. I don't think if I came here drunk, that I would be standing here. Do you think so? <laughs> Imagine I'm saying, Hallelujah, the Lord is only, and, and I'm shaking everywhere. You see, your integrity is worship. Is are you pleasing God through your life? I tell worshipers, I say, look, People don't listen to your songs. They, yeah, they pay attention because they know them. They are paying attention to your life. They know what you did at Food Lion. Why are your neighbors still wondering whether you are a Christian or not? Because integrity is very important in this world. Even before God. So David is saying, I will make sure that I have personal integrity. The reason why people, even though they are hungry for God, they cannot come, is because those that are close to Jesus do not have integrity. Because worship is not here. It's also at your place of work. It's also at home. When your grandchild looks at you, do they, are they seeing a worshiper? Or they are seeing, mm, okay. Or, they are, or maybe your grandchildren are saying, well, we're praying for grace for grandfather, for grandmother. Because you snap a lot. You are angry a lot. Or maybe you talk too much. <laughs> Choice number three. You know, there's integrity. It's in, in choice... Number two there of priority is also making the God's presence his priority. Stay in the presence of God 24-7. Be with him. You see, no matter how brilliant a fish is, if there's such a thing, when you take it out of the water, it's dead. So you and I are created to be in the presence of God. Make that your lifestyle. Number three is that I will steward, I will steward, number one, my home. He says, you see, <laughs> it's even in the, in the Bible. You can't be an elder or a deacon if you're home. How can you lead someone else if you can't even lead your own home? He says, it will begin from home. You get a point? From home. That's where charity begins at home anyway. Life begins at home. Christianity is at home. 
before you prepare to put on this Christianity garment <laughs> to come to church, remember that people at home don't see the garment. They see the real you. Have you given him room to be there? And the other thing he wants to steward is my heart. He says, I will steward my heart. He says, <laughs> I love what he says, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, the word is secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Your home and your heart are part of this worship journey. And in the interest of time, I want to take you to number four is I will guard. You say, a perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of it. It says, I will guard my eyes. My vision, I will guard it. Look at his choices, the psalmist. He says, I'll be very careful with where, you see, <laughs> problem with the eyes is that they, they are very stubborn. These eyes, they are good eyes. I'm t God created good eyes, but they are very stubborn because it's the same eyes that people use to watch pornography. It's the same eye people use when they do dirty things. So he says, I will guard <laughs> these eyes. In other words, there's a decision of where you go. And what you do. You know that your eye never forgets where you've been. It says my public loyalties. And secret ambitions. I'll guard them. Public loyalties. And secret So I'm trying to think. What was happening to David. For him to choose. To live like this. He's, no, go study Psalm 101. Step by step. The choices of a psalmist after God's own heart. Number five is I will confront. Choice number five, I will confront. Which means the accuser of the brothers in me. Not that. He says, I will confront the accuser of the brothers. Don't think about your neighbor in me, in my heart. You know, it's very difficult to look at yourself. We always blame others, but we forget our role in the whole development of that hurt, of that shame, of that strife. And in those around me, and it says, the haughty look and arrogant heart in myself and others. This is very uh, critical to remember, to reflect. Am I doing this for me? Am I doing it so that people can know me? Have you encountered him enough? That you can go before him and say, Lord, 
I don't want my ambitions to take over my life. My loyalties to take over my life. Remember where we got from. You know what you worship. Just look at what is sitting on the seat of your throne. Then you know where your heart is. What is sitting on your throne of your heart determines what you're worshiping. And uh, the last two, as I conclude, is that I will esteem, which means I will esteem covenant faithfulness and godly counsel and ministry. And number eight, it says, I will champion a personal and a relational authenticity. Personal corporate diligence in the household of faith. I thought I could share those choices with you before I go back home. That as we looking into 2023, it's about worship is your way of life and the choices you make. I teach this in a class, a lot of detail in that, but I thought I'd just leave you with that to think about. Augustine said something. St. Augustine says, what do I love when I love my God? Not physical beauty or the splendor of time. Not the radiance of earthly light so pleasant to our eyes. Not the sweet melodies of harmony and song. Not the Fragrant smell of flowers, perfumes and spices. Not manna or honey. Not limbs such as the flesh delights to embrace. These are not the things I love when I love my God. And yet when I love him, I do indeed love a certain kind of light. A voice, a fragrance, a food, an embrace. But this love takes place in my inner person. Where my soul is bathed in light that is not bound by space. When it listens to sound that time never takes away that sound when it breathes in a fragrance which no breeze carries away when it tastes food which no eating can diminish when it clings to an embrace which is not broken when desire is fulfilled this is what I love when I love my God. Choices. 
Life is a collection of choices. I want to sing a song and then I'll, as I close. It's a simple song to a great God. It says, I I'll sing it in my language, it says, I long for you. And my choice is to long for him. That you may use me again, not in the way that I want, in the way that pleases him. Never forget he draws us and we surrender all. Mkamilumbe Mkamilumbe Kamilumbe 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 yo 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 Kamilumbe Demi kavila away Demi kavila kanavesa Demi kavila away Demi kabila, demi kabila kanavesa, demi kabila yawe, demi kabila, demi kabila yawe. Demi kavila kanavesa, demi kavila Yahweh, demi kavila. The Lord who never slumbers, nor sleeps, may He watch over you, and may you hold on to Him.